about. What does that mean? Despite the attempt at rabbinic humor, was your turkey kosher? A critical analysis of the laws, famous verse in the 18th chapter of the book of Vayikra, Leviticus, which means don't follow the Gentile ways. Despite our attempt at being funny in the title, the subject is a very sensitive one and needs clarification. I'm going to begin by defining the terms of our title. I'm going to assume over here that everybody here knows what a turkey is. Though in Brooklyn, I am sure everybody here knows what a turkey is. However, the word kosher is much more difficult to define. We all know what the word kosher means in conventional popular sense as it relates to food items. However, its meaning in contemporary jargon has expanded as well. So I'll ask you the question. If you're a businessman and somebody comes to you and asks you the question, is this business deal kosher? What does it mean? Is it honest? Is it fair? Good. Is it legitimate? Is it honest? Is it fair? Correct. Is it legal? Is it legal? Good. Good. Glad you said that. If I ask you this question, is this person kosher? I get this call all the time where people will call me up and ask me about the kosherness status of a particular child for their son or daughter. It doesn't mean obviously that if you shek that person you could eat the person. That would be confusing terms. And once you begin to confuse terms you may have a problem. So what does it mean if I say is that, that person kosher? In a Syrian context it means... Adami, decent. Adami, decent? No! <laughs> not money. It means whether or not that person is marriable based on is there a conversion in the family. Because if you are in the Syrian community that happens to be an issue obviously. So Therefore, the word kosher actually has now an expanded sense, a sense whether the person is straight or honest, or a person is somebody that my child can marry. Good. So when we ask the question, is this turkey kosher, it could be yes, it is conventionally kosher, but it was not kosher. Meaning that though it's conventionally kosher, you would not be allowed to eat that Turkey. It's kosher in the first sense, but not kosher in the second sense. As strange as that may sound. Many, many, many have taken the position that though the turkey is actually conventionally kosher, you may not eat this turkey on the holiday of Thanksgiving. It actually was the second question that I was asked upon coming to deal in New Jersey in 1982, the fall. People asked me the question, can we eat turkey at Thanksgiving? So my answer, of course, was, yes, if it's kosher, you can. No, if it's not kosher. And I meant, of course, that I thought they were laughing at me. They were joking. Who ever heard of the notion that one cannot eat turkey on Thanksgiving? I didn't know that it was a raging controversy in Deal, New Jersey at that point. Good to see you. No, that's my last one. Sorry. You come late, you pay a price. But you don't have to pay the price because I have an extra one. He's lovely. Give him his own. We love him. He's a good guy. That one extra. In Deal, New Jersey, when I came in 1982, the community was dominated by the right-wing Kolel, 
who held that we cannot eat turkey on Thanksgiving, even if it's kosher in the conventional sense. So I was shocked. Living seven years in Boston at that time and seven years at university at that point in time, nobody ever even raised the issue whether or not one can eat turkey on Thanksgiving. But it was a major, major defining issue in Deal, New Jersey of 1982. I'm not realizing that I was actually defining myself, hopefully not as a turkey at that point in time. But in the eyes of many, yes. In the eyes of the right wing, I defined myself, and I was completely oblivious to this entire situation. A raging controversy. So here's the question. And I said, yes, publicly, of course we need turkey on Thanksgiving. And that defined me on another side of the tracks, literally and figuratively, from those who were rabbinically involved in, at that point in dealing New Jersey. So the question that now comes to the fore, what is the substratum of their position? I would argue that the turkey is kosher, what's asur, what's prohibited about it? Their answer is, of course, You're not allowed to walk in the Gentile ways. A very important verse in the book of Baikra is mentioned. Serious issue. Those who say that you cannot eat turkey on Thanksgiving are saying that it's isur deoraita. It is a prohibition from the Torah itself. Same as eating non-kosher food. And I always want to ask those who prohibit eating turkey on Thanksgiving, the question, if I have a choice, that I can eat a piece of ham right in front of me, or turkey on Thanksgiving, what should I do? If they're going to say to me that it's isur deoraita, a prohibition of the Torah itself, then it should be the same exact situation. You eat this or you eat that. Same thing. You violate one or the other. I dare say that they would not dare say that I should eat ham rather than kosher turkey on Thanksgiving. Or they may. Because they may really hold that it is a sur deoraita. Same as eating something that's not kosher. Same as wearing shahanez. Same as mehalil shabbat. All these are prohibitions. So that's the question that we have to really analyze. Is it a sur deoraita? Or... It may, in fact, be something, in a sense, much more serious than Isur Deoraita. Do you have a pulpit I could stand maybe easier? Do you have something I could stand? No. Because I would stand just for the people in the back. They can hear you. They can hear you? Yeah. Abdul, good to see you. It's really a pleasure. You're better looking down the last time. He tells it every time I see him, I tell him the same thing, so. Moose. My early child memory of, of Beitra is Abdel Sultan. That is? It's true. Throwing a football. Middle of shul. And cigars. That was Abdel. Okay, so the question over here is is it Isudio Raita or not? That's a question. Or perhaps you want to argue that it's more serious than that because of the very difficult dilemma that we as an American Jewish community face that of assimilation and you might argue that this is one further step of the Jewish community assimilating into modern American culture Jews by the tens of thousands by the hundreds of thousands are are assimilating. You should be aware of the statistics. In 1990, Federation conducted a poll that they do every single decade, which put the number of Jews at 
5.7, 5,700,000 Jews in America. Ten years later, in the year 2000, there was another poll, of course, and it put the number of Jews at 5.3, 5,300,000 Jews, which means there was a net loss of 400,000 Jews to assimilation and to intermarriage. And you know, of course, intermarriage rate is 50%. You could prove it. New York Times, Sunday, just see the names. The Cohen's to the McDonald's. <laughs> it happens all the time. They, you look at it. They're both men. <laughs> Nowadays. <laughs> Correct. Nevertheless, that still is assimilation and still problematic. Get the following statistic. One second, David. There are more Jewish children, that is, children who are born to Jewish parents. There are more Jewish children under the age of 18 who are being raised in another religion than there are Jewish children under the age of 18 who are being raised as Jews. True statistic. Absolutely absurd. There are tens of thousands or a hundred thousand of Jews who are now practicing a form of Christianity. And giving a series of classes now on Shabbat afternoon is how to read Tanakh in answer to Christian missionaries. That is, the Christian missionaries, of course, quote all kinds of pesukim about a virgin birth, about a suffering servant, about he who was pierced, etc., etc. And what should Jews answer? What should Jews answer the Christian missionaries? And last week in Dio, there were three homes that were knocked on by Christian missionaries, Hebrew Christians, and there are 200 Hebrew Christian synagogues throughout this country. And the number they give, New York Times gave the number of 100,000 Jews have crossed over that line. I know two Syrians who became Hebrew Christians. One was a 70-year-old grandmother, and one was a 22-year-old kid. Whatever the reason may be. And we're going through their literature to understand what is the appeal. And the appeal simply is what Tanakh is saying. It's what the Bible is saying. And they truly, with great deal of passion, believe that you cannot be fulfilled as a Jew unless you accept Jesus as Savior. So we're losing tens of thousands at the minimum, hundreds of thousands at the maximum, of Jews to Christianity. With all of that, with all of that, assimilation, intermarriage, losing all these Jewish people, demographers are raising the question, what will be the number of Jews in America a hundred years from now? Is there any hope for the future? And it seems to be the case that nobody's painting a very pretty picture. So you can raise the question that even though eating turkey on Thanksgiving is conventionally kosher, and even though you might say it's not a pseudo-raita of, let's say, Still no one wants to raise the question whether or not we are encouraging assimilation to the host culture, to American culture, by celebrating this particular holiday. So we have two issues on the table besides the turkey. First we have is eating turkey at Thanksgiving and Sudoraita. Is it a violation of Sukotehem Lotelehu? And there are those poskim hold that it is, we'll talk about that as we go along. And even if it's not, should we encourage a practice that encourages assimilation? If in fact it does. Now, the second question is easy to answer. It seems to me that no one who eats turkey on Thanksgiving sees it as a religious holiday whatsoever, nor does it encourage in any which way assimilation. How do we eat turkey on Thanksgiving? It's very simple how we eat turkey on Thanksgiving. 
right? Very simple how we do. It's a gathering of family members who are not working, kids not in school, and it's a very, very nice family day. As George Will had very powerfully put it in his recent article called The Grateful Spread, the pilgrims actually didn't even eat turkey because turkey was very rare in the New World at that period of time, so they probably didn't eat turkey. It was not celebrated as a holiday whatsoever. But rather, it's a phenomenon of American culture. So for everybody that we know, for us, we're not in the Midwest, for us, it's simply a day to gather together and celebrate Family Day together. No school, no work, it's a great day. But let's go a step further. Let's say in fact you are celebrating an American holiday. Is there something wrong with that? Raise the question. Is there something wrong with the being thanksgiving to Borei Olam, to God, for providing us with America? Is it appropriate to thank Americans by celebrating along with them this country called America? David. So now come to my question. I try to avoid your question. I know. I know. Here's the question. It says, do not follow their ways. Right. So you didn't define who they are. That's question one. I didn't get to it yet. Okay. And, and, and I would say that that's part of the answer to your... It is. But we're going to get to it in a second. You said now about America. Correct. We're going to get to it in a second. You're right. Absolutely on target. Okay. Get to the, give me one minute. So... To the contrary, even I would say, A, we're not celebrating really American culture, whether you eat turkey or not. Even if you are, and maybe you should be, you should be thanking, thankful for America, thank God for America, thank Americans for America. We should do that which encourages our view that we as Americans are part and parcel of American culture. So one would say that. Get together, have a turkey, say Begata Mazon, pray Menachah with the family. Getting together in of itself is a value. It all seems to work out. As long as you're not eating it as an obligatory meal. Don't associate it with a Seder on Pesach. Don't see it as a mitzvah, as a religious deed. That would certainly be problematic, as we'll see as our post scheme discuss. Because even the Americans who celebrate Thanksgiving as an American holiday don't see it as obligatory, one second. They don't see it as a hova, but rather as commemoration. They think that the pilgrims ate turkey, therefore they're eating turkey. Now, so if we want to commemorate, then I would say there's no prohibition in commemoration whatsoever at all. Same as July 4th. Is there a problem that anybody has with lighting a firecracker celebrating July 4th Independence Day? No. Is there a problem with Memorial Day? Labor Day? No. Columbus Day? No. So I would put all of these American holidays in the same category of celebration as Thanksgiving. So the same way that I could celebrate Labor Day by not going to work, right? Memorial Day by... Thank you. Thank you. And Memorial Day by <coughs> Memorial Day by the end of World War One and Two, so too Thanksgiving. Good. So one question that you want to ask is this a religious holiday or not? First, yeah. Uh, you said, uh, 
I was going to ask about the other holidays. Why are they mentioned? Fourth of July, you're going to have barbecue. Right. But why is that different from October? Okay, good. I would agree. So let's begin. But yeah, Harvey, good to see you. Say Thanksgiving is much more. Huh? How so? Okay. We're as Jews, we're supposed to teach the world. There's one God. We're supposed to spread the word of God, so on and so forth. Here's a day, and then just to add to it, Haramban says when about Mashiach, when will Mashiach come? When the entire world believes in one God. He didn't say it have to be Jewish. They all believe in one God, which obviously will make the world a better place. So here's an opportunity where, what do we have, 200 million people in this country? Three! 300, right? Oh, 300 million people. Are gonna, are, are gonna say thank you to one God on the same day. Right. So why would we say no, no, no we're out of this one? Okay, we'll get to it. It's contrary to our. We're, we're gonna get to it. Hold on, we'll get to it. Now let's begin a little bit by explaining the history of the holiday itself. I'm going to assume that nobody here has ever heard of Elias Bordenat. Somebody in the back? Nobody? Good, I'm not surprised. Elias Bordenat lived 250 years ago. He was a congressman from New Jersey. But he caused this entire ruckus that we're having today by presenting us with this terrible dilemma. Congressman Bordenat in 1789 proposed in Congress a resolution urging President Washington to, quote, recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of the Almighty God, especially by affording them the opportunity to establish a constitution of the government for the safety and happiness. So what does he want? A day of thanksgiving, right? A huge debate ensued in Congress. And finally, President Washington issued as the first National Thanksgiving Proclamation. He declared that Thanksgiving should be a national holiday with the following proclamation. Now therefore I, says George Washington, recommend and assign Thursday the 26th day of November next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that is good, that was, that is, that will be, that we may all then unite, Harvey, in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country, previously becoming a nation, namely the pilgrims, for, their, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of God's providence in the course and the conclusion of the late war. Late war? 1776, good. For the degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have since enjoyed. For the peaceable and rational manner which we have established, which we have been enabled to establish constitutional government for our safety and happiness. And particularly the national one now lately instituted. For the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed. And the means we are, we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge. And in general, for all the great and various favors which He, God Almighty, has been blessed to confer upon us. Great statement, George Washington. Not kosher. However, it was not kosher, correct. Thanksgiving did not become a national holiday from the years 1790 to 1863. And the question is why? Some speculate because 
No? Church and state. The religious nature of his proclamation was, according to some, alienating to many. People were afraid of the church and state issues that did not become. So there was no national celebrations of Thanksgiving from 1790 to 1863. Good. So what happens in 1863? In 1863, President Lincoln made the proclamation deciding that Thanksgiving should be a national holiday itself. Good. So now what we have to do is to come back to our second question, right, for David's sake, right, and try to raise the question, how do we define the issue of Ufukotehem lo telehu? That's what we want to figure out. How do we define the issue of Ufukotehem lo telehu? Good. And you have in front of you your sheets. Because we're going to use these sheets to figure out whether or not this is a violation of that particular verse. Now, what does one do when we have a question of this nature? You have a verse. The verse is, Right? Do not follow in their ways. So the question that I am raising is, how do you exactly define their ways? Who are the there and what are the ways? Right? So what would be your methodological position? What would you first do? First step is Talmud. The Talmud is that repository of Jewish wisdom which teaches us and tells us exactly what the Bible meant. Even when the Bible does not mean what we say it means, we still follow what the Talmud says it means. As for example, you have a verse, do not see the goat in its mother's milk. Anybody here do that, ever? Right? We don't do that. Nobody ever did it. Pagans did it. We never did it. But what does the Talmud say that that verse means? The Talmud says, it does not mean, do not see the goats. What does it mean? Don't eat meat and milk together. Don't get any benefit from it. Don't even cook it together and serve it to somebody else. Can I own a McDonald's? No. Because I cannot even cook a cheeseburger together and serve it to somebody else. I can get no benefit from it. So the Talmud in that particular case actually expands what the five or six biblical words mean. Right? Interesting. So the Talmud is that which tells me over here how in fact to define all of those laws Torah gives us. So the Talmud is critical. But we don't have the time now to go through Masechet of Razarat and see how it defines this term. So what's the next best thing to do? The Rambam. Good, correct, exactly. So the Rambam we could look into two different sources. Look into Sefer HaMitzvot is number one. And number two I could look into is Mishneh Torah. So we'll just look at the Mishneh Torah for a moment. It's not on your sheets. But we'll look at the Mishnah Torah, I'll quote it for you. And it's quoted then in Shulchan Aruch. So the Rambam says, Don't dress like they dress. Their specific dress that non-Jews wear, don't dress like them. And don't act like them. So that's one statement. But that's not the only statement. We also have to look at the others who disagree with the Rambam, or elaborate upon what the Rambam says. In this case, disagrees. And Tosafot, which is a medieval commentary on the Torah Gemara itself, tells us that this verse actually teaches us that there are two types of forbidden activity. Number one is any kind of a idolatrous custom would constitute a violation of Ufhokotem Lotelech. Number one. 
Give me an example of an American slash perhaps idolatrous custom that would be a violation of Hutem Lotedejo? Okay, Halloween definitely. Question, is Christmas a secular holiday or is it a religious holiday? Excuse me, any lawyers in our midst? Lawyer, what does the American government say about Christmas and Hanukkah? It is a American holiday, not a religious holiday. It's a legal holiday. Therefore, you're allowed to put a Christmas tree on public property as you're allowed to put a menorah on public property. Garden State Park where you get a nice big menorah or in Lincoln Square Synagogue on that street, uh, whatever it is, you can see this huge menorah there. Why? Except for church and state. No, it's a secular symbol which is fascinating. The American government legally has decided that the Christmas tree is not a religious symbol. It's an American secular holiday and so too is the menorah itself, which is fascinating to think of. So That's not what they said, Rabbi. It's just the balance of popular uh, culture. It's obviously a, a, a religious symbol as evidenced by recent uh, rulings. It's a legal holiday. But it's, it's an American holiday. That doesn't mean that, that it's not a religious symbol. They're saying it's not. Otherwise, they could put, a, could put it on public property. Well, it's they had to take it down because they are religious symbols. Those, if I remember correctly, those lawsuits were settled. Those were settled. Yeah? One second. Yeah? The symbol of the Christmas tree may be a legal symbol, and the holiday may be hallmarkized, but, but the essence of the holiday is the birth of Christ, which is clearly religious. Good. However, most people don't see it that way in America. It's viewed as a national American secular holiday. I can give you the court case if you want to look it up. If you want to look it up? Just go into Macy's. You'll see it's not a religious holiday. Here it is. Okay. Something's not ending up for it. One second, one second. American law adopts definition of secular that clearly is of secular. For example, in the court case, Joseph, you ready? In the court case of Kamek versus Wahi, C-A-M-M-A-C-K versus W-A-I-H-E-E, a court determined that the holiday called Good Friday, Good Friday was a secular holiday. So too the Supreme Court has ruled that both Christmas and Hanukkah are secular holidays and both Christmas and Hanukkah are secular holidays and have secular displays that lack a religious theme. Furthermore, in Lynch versus Donnelly in 1984, in Allegheny versus American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU fought it and lost. In 1989, all of these cases prove that Christmas and Hanukkah are secular holidays. That's not a halakhic definition, it's an American legal definition. Okay? Yeah, Gina? Hanukkah is not a legal holiday anyway. So it, it, it's, Hanukkah. it's not legal, but it's secular. Therefore, I'm allowed to put on public property. In Deal, New Jersey, in front of the courthouse, you have a menorah on public property. Why? If it's a religious symbol, it's separate church and state. Answer, it's not a religious holiday. It's not a religious symbol, it's secular. Yeah? Alan? What did they base that, that decision on? I mean, obviously, they said that the reason for the holiday is religious. How did they switch it? Because if you look, because if, if you look at how people celebrate it, it's not viewed as a as a religious celebration. It's commercial. Mass, mass would be a religious holiday. Celebrating mass would be something religious, and thereby prohibited. 
Jewish law would prohibit you from going to a church to celebrate Mass. In New York City, maybe not in New deal. So you could argue if you want the cases, you can put it up. They, they're saying it's a secular holiday. Yes, yeah, sorry, can't see you. It celebrates independence of the Maccabees who fought the Greeks. Historical. It's not religious. They don't. They don't. They made it hold by the miracle of the the lights. They don't see that. It's a symbol of freedom. National freedom. One second. Second. Okay. Yeah. Celeste, I think that's you. Yeah. Did they declare that the Christmas if I remember correctly, even the nativity, even if I remember correctly, that's not. That should not be. That's not allowed. Right. Right. Yes. Correct. Seen a napkin. Yeah. Thank you. I'll drown. Golden heart. Golden heart. Okay, I'll bring it with Sorry? That's different. That's an issue. Okay, but it's not. It's not a, from the American legal point of view. It is not an a religious holiday. Okay. Wait one second. Yeah. Yeah, it's not halachic. This is an American legal definition of what religious and secular is. Halachically, would be very different. We're going to get to that in a minute. So hold on to that. Yeah. But it's interesting how they how they choose because Christmas Day, you won't find a single government office. Open. It's a legal holiday, that's why. And Hanukkah, there's no part of Hanukkah that the government all of a sudden shuts down. It's not illegal, Hanukkah's not legal, it's secular. Oh, secular. Secular is supposed to be legal, right. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay, as we have separation of church and state, Thank you. but most of the country is Christian and wants to celebrate it that way, there's going to be objection from the strong minority who are not Christian. So they're forced to go to the position to say that it's, that it's secular in order to to, to have these uh, public, uh, public demonstrations, which the people want, because they're Christian. You're best. Saying something because they're forced to, because of principle of separation of church and state. It's, 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 it's a legal fiction. So, so, it's a legal so we, we can't do it, but they want to do it. Who's they? Who's they? The people of the country who are Christian want to have this explained. Right. There's, there's a strong minority who would object. ACLU objected. Yeah. Right. So they have to say, they're forced to say that it's secular in order to do it. I think you're attributing to the Supreme Court, this is the Supreme Court case, I think you are attributing to them motives that are not correct. I don't think they took a poll and sensed and felt that because Americans want to celebrate, therefore we're going to call it secular. It's, I don't think it's a legal fiction at all. They analyzed what the history of it is and how it developed and how people celebrate it and is there any ritual or is it just a tree? It's a tree. It's, people, it's a secular symbol. It's a tree. So that's what they would say. But Ten Commandments is not allowed. That's being debated. That's that's right now being debated still. So I'm saying, you know, so I'm saying yes. Actually, the person, it is now allowable. Now it's being a, the the first draft of that particular court debate is that you can have the Ten Commandments. The, the judge was fired at the point or whatever it was, but now it's, they're changing it. Okay, let's go on a little bit. So now. Tosafot, which defines our issue a little bit more clearly, 
They say that there are two types of forbidden activities. One is idolatrous customs. As I think we'd agree, Halloween, Christmas, leave it there's a question. Because they're saying it's not religious at all. We're saying it's religious. So if you tell me it's religious, halak, then you can't do anything Christmas. Right? Okay, good. You don't go by the American definition of Christmas. You go by the Jewish definition of Christmas. And we would probably agree to it's a religious holiday, idolatrous, and therefore prohibited. Furthermore, Pusafot says, and this is interesting, and you'll see it in print in a minute, any, quote, custom that a society engages in, that though it's not adoption origin, if it's a foolish kind of a custom, in Botam, that has no reason for it, that would also be prohibited. Because the fear is that if there's no rational, logical reason for it, then they're doing it because back there then, it began in a idolatrous context, right. That's, so far you have Maimonides, then you have Tosafot. Now, Rabbeinu Nisim says, no, 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 no. He says, only specifically any idolatrous practice would be a violation of Ufchobotehem lo telechu. Only adoption. He's a much more liberal kind of approach to this. He in the Maharil says that say that it's only an idolatrous practice. Avodah practice would be prohibited. Period. That's all you can't do. Yeah, David. Why are you liberal? No. He's narrow. He's not liberal. He's saying well, he's he's broader than Tosafot. No, he's more directed. Okay, but he's more, he's saying he's limiting what's prohibited. Yeah. Whereas the Ford is expanding it. He's defining it much more narrowly. Good. Now, let's look at your sheets on Shulchan Aruch. Share them, please. And let's look at an interesting issue that Shulchan Aruch raises. Okay? Okay. Shulchan Aruch says, because Shulchan Aruch remembers the code of Jewish law, and all of those opinions feed into Shulchan Aruch, and ultimately takes all of them into consideration. So he quotes the Rambam, the Tur, all these are the rabbinic minds who've analyzed this question, this idea, these ideas. He says, on your top right hand corner, Shulchan Aruch, those who don't read Hebrew, I will translate. He says to us over here, Halchot, Halchot Avdei Kochavim, number one, Shalom Lilbosh Kemabosheh Avdei Kochavim, don't dress like them. He says, En Holchim Bechokot Avdei Kochavim, do not walk in the pathways of the idolaters. And don't astone medamin. Don't imitate them. Which is what the Rambam says. Don't use those specific clothes that are that they use. So you cannot wear, let's say, a priest's collar. Let's say. The Nero suits. A what? Remember the Nero suits? Oh, the Nero suits. Indian, we'll get to in a minute. No, no, that looked like... Yes, it did. Yeah, Indians, all right. Okay, good. So any of their specific clothes, that's miyuhad lahem, that, that they specifically wear, you can't wear. Live that's the seed or short. And you can't grow your hair in a way that they, as idolaters, grow. Fry a tuck. Did anybody remember fry a tuck, my friend? Yes. You used to like fry a tuck? Yes. Good man. It's a game It's what? It's right near the tactical game farm. It's not in the Marcelo's. Okay, okay, okay. So one cannot find, one cannot do that either. Look at his next line. Do not, Yigalah Matzidim, do not 
shave from the sides and allow your hair to grow in the middle. Do not shave on your face from ear to ear and grow sort of like a goatee I think he means because that's what the non-Jewish pagans would do you cannot want to look like a non-Jewish pagan furthermore you cannot build a synagogue the way they build their sanctuaries it's interesting because some of these we do so we don't do so you cannot build a synagogue one second the way that they built their sanctuaries so you can't build them with these huge doors so many people can enter in at once so that's his concern yeah sorry question yeah why are we not going after the way we dress? Because we oh, dress just like this. Hold on, good, excellent point. Excellent point. I want everybody with a black hat and... Uh, <laughs> hold on, we'll get to that one second, yeah. Couple of points. First, the word chukot or chukot. If we use them in chukim, mitzvot, shpatim, the way we translate chukot, it's a religious... Uh, right. It's natural that, you know, it's a God that cannot... Okay, there are two very important points. The first point will be addressed by the next Rama, which means to say, means to say, that here you have a pasuk, the Talmud defines it in a certain way, right? And then the Rishonim, the early, early rabbis, they defined it, and they chose to not define the word hawk in that context the way that you're defining the word hawk in that context. They just simply said, in Gemara, they raised the question, what does mean? So, the Gemara has its opinion, then the Rambam has his opinion, thousand years later, the Tosafot, the Ran, Maharik, they all have their opinions as to what this Pasuk means. Well, the Ran, the Tosafot, seem to adopt it when they say, it has no time. So if the Tosafot says, right. it okay. no time, they, they're trying to analogize it to the word Hawk. Right. right, and the context of that Pasuk, Furthermore is and the deeds of the pagans of the Canaanites don't do and the deeds of the Egyptians, the Canaanites into who's letting you coming don't do don't go in their ways so it seems to be an idolatrous context period right? It all revolves around idolatry it seems to be so let's look now in terms of Eve's question the next Rama which says what does Torah really want from you? Be separate from them in your dress. In all of your deeds. Be different. You're not to assimilate into the pagan world. So he says. Now here's something interesting. All of this relates to only what the pagans did. Now, how do we translate lechem peritzut? For immoral sexual license, the pagans would dress their women in a certain fashion. Can anybody guess what would be a good pagan dress of a woman who was interested in doing something that's immoral? For example, what color dress would she wear? Red. Red. Why do you say that? Did you read ahead? Okay, the scarlet letter. 
The scarlet letter of Nathaniel Hawthorne is exactly that. So he says exactly that point. Okay, go on. They would always wear malbushim adumim. Adumim means red clothes. And they would wear this, and then high government church officials would wear red. They would dress in these immoral, licentious kinds of dresses. That's what really the Ramah is limiting. He's saying just don't dress in that immoral sexual fashion. So of course none of us do that. Especially at our Syrian weddings. Right? Ob Davat, furthermore, he has Tosafot's point and says, or a custom they have, the in bo in ta'ambadavat. If there's no logical, rational reason why they do something, your suspicion is should be concerned, pen Maybe they're doing it for a pagan reason. So anything rational you could do that though they do it. Anything that they do that's not rational, maybe it is for a hidden pagan reason that you cannot do. He goes further and says to us over here, the Esports Shemus of that, so worried also about any irrational items on the agenda, which was to someone's opinion, which might be related to idolatry. Good, that to him. However, anything they do that is purposeful, logical, and meaningful, you can do. Okay, go on. Shudarkan, they do. Shukon Mishur Whoever is a doctor, Mumheh, Yeshlo Malbush Meyuhat. He wears, imagine going back five, six hundred years ago, doctors wore distinctive clothing. Can a Jew wear the same distinctive clothing as a pagan doctor? The answer is yes. Because it makes logical sense. Because it shows, Shinikan Boshur Ofeh Uman. Mutal It's a sign. It's showing that you are a Rafael Umar, that you are a prestigious doctor. So therefore you can wear it though a pagan wears it because it's a logical symbol of your profession. Good. Or if they want, if they wear, let's say something because it's, it's honorific. You wear a shirt and tie because that makes it honorific. So therefore you can wear a shirt and tie because it's Mishum Kavod, it's honor to do that. That's allowed. But anything that they do that makes no sense, that may go back to a pagan cause, that would be prohibited. Right? Therefore, are we allowed to? Interesting pagan custom. They would burn any of a king who dies. The pagans, the Egyptians did this. They were either, the Egyptians actually buried the king's slaves and his horses with him in the pyramids, right? Because he had to use them to get to the next world, etc. But in general, they would burn the king's accoutrements. That, and there's a reason for that. It made logical sense to burn whatever the king leaves behind, we burn. Right? So therefore, So we also could do it. We also would be allowed to burn our king's whatever he leaves behind. Because it's not for idolatrous reason, it made good sense to them, because it was glory to the king, that once the king is gone, we're not going to ever even use his sharvit, his scepter, let's say. Right? So Jews can do the same thing as well. How about, is it appropriate for a Jewish person to, let's say, have a wake and have the person lie in state? Is that, is any logical reason to have a person lie in state? At all. We have laws against that. Yeah. Okay, what would be the logical reason? 
helps them psychologically. It'll help them more. Some people feel it helps them more. Okay, good. Good. So, therefore, based on the logic of that statement, we are allowed to lie in state or to delay burial if you have a good reason for it. A child wants to come to the funeral and is in California or something, you could delay the burial. If, let's say, they allowed Golda Meir to lie in state, it was not prohibited by the rabbis. Why? Because it was kavod for her and for Am Yisrael that all heads of state should come now and be part parcel of this. So we do allow in very few and far between examples. Why? Because we want kavod. So if you have a logical reason why you're doing it, we allow it. Yeah? Um, isn't, isn't what makes sense to one, the difference of what makes sense to another? Isn't it relative? Or is logical? Good question. Isn't the term logical relative? It could be. It could be. It could be. You have to evaluate it logically and see whether it's logical or not. The Jewish, the rabbis. The rabbis would evaluate that it was logical to allow Goldmeier to lie in state because it brought kavod. It's not based on a pagan practice, although it may have been originally, but because it could be attributed to a logical reason, we could do it. Now look at the next line in the Shvanruch. However, he who is close to the royal throne and he has to wear their clothes and to imitate them, mutar. It's an astounding, shocking statement. Anybody that needs to, anybody that needs to speak to the government and therefore dress as they dress and act as they act is absolutely allowed to do so. Now, sorry? Okay, well, there's many examples of that. Hanagi, correct. Many examples of that. But it's a Sudoraita. It's a biblical prohibition to dress like the pagans. Right? Yet, Shanuch allows you to dress like the pagans or to act like the pagans. Mutar bakol. What would be your logical, rational reason? Why is Jewish law allowing a head of a rabbi to dress as they dress, to go to their state dinners? Sudoraita. And the question would then be, how far can you go? So what would be the logical reason, yeah? The reason for that would be to bring the Jewish point of view within the government. And, and be able to represent Okay, good. People. Okay, good. Or correct. But much more seriously, maybe to save Jewish lives. So how far can you go to save Jewish lives? So here you're told that I'm allowed to violate the Susudio Oraita to save a Jewish life. Makes sense. So give me a biblical example of one who actually did that. Of somebody that was willing to throw her life away in order to save Jewish people? Queen Esther. Queen Esther. She was willing to go the entire nine yards above and beyond dressing like the pagans, but rather sleeping with the pagan king to save Jewish lives. <laughs> I'm not bringing her into this. She's a hero, heroine of mine, so I don't see anything bad about her. Okay, good. So now, that's an astounding statement. To save Jewish lives, you could uh, imitate and analogize yourself completely to them. However, the Bayat Hadash is a very interesting commentary who analyzed this exact issue. Look on your left-hand column. Mi shikarov l'malchut. Whoever's close to the king, close to the kingdom. He says, he raised the question. 
It is a biblical prohibition to do any of these closed business. Right? You raise the question, how could the rabbis allow a prohibition of the Torah to be violated to those people who are close to the throne? How could they allow that? Yeshlomar, answer, Dimishum Hatala Israel. Because when you want to save Jewish lives, Yeshkoach be Adam Liatir. That's what Yosef says. Now, let me ask you a very provocative question. Would that also allow one to encourage, let's say, his daughter, who let's say is very bright, to go to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Columbia, get a degree in political science? Hobnob with all of the great politicians to be, maybe even marry one of those politicians, for what purpose? To bring the Jewish point of view and to save Jewish lives. Is it allowed or it's going too far? Given that's what Queen Esther did. And she didn't know, what's that? She didn't know that she saved in Jewish lives at that point. She became a queen over the Persian Empire, involved paganism to whatever degree it was, and again had this affair, marriage. She married a pagan king in order to save Jewish lives, which she didn't know at the time. She, maybe Mordechai knew. Now, would we agree that the state of American Jewry is precarious? There's anti-Semitism. Some of you remember the 1973 bumper sticker when they said there was an oil crisis. Those of you my age or a little bit younger, burn Jews, not oil. That was a bumper sticker that we saw. And there are many people that still have latent anti-Semitism, if not overt, but certainly latent anti-Semitism. So would it not make sense, I'm not promoting this, I just want to raise the issue. Does it not make sense that if you have somebody who we know the politicians come from the Ivy League schools, somebody can go to the Ivy League schools and get to know these people and barbanan, God forbid, that a Jewish girl should, but imagine becoming so intimate with these politicians that ten years down the road, you, God forbid, know Bill Clinton in the biblical sense. We did that, Monica Lewinsky, right. We were way wiser than he. <laughs> so, is that appropriate? So obviously, I take the position that it's not appropriate. But I have to always remember that though I'm saying it's not appropriate, if there is, God forbid, some kind of anti-Semitic wave in this country, and those of you who have questions, read Philip Roth's latest book, The Plot Against America. It's that simple for the tide to turn. And when we dare say that, okay, that was 1937, 1938, now we're 2006, it never happened over here, we're not that naive. And it's not only a question of what America's all about, it's a question of what Iran's all about. Because if Ahmadinejad gets a nuclear weapon and has said, I'm going to blow up Israel, what's going to stop him? Only America's going to stop him. So it's such a sensitive issue because there's no rabbi any place is going to say that one should in fact protect the Jewish people by virtue of having your kids go to Ivy League schools and getting to know these politicians who are going to control the government 10 years from now. Nobody's going to tell you to do that. I agree. One should not, not advocate that position. But on the other hand, the precarious state of Jews world over is so, so, so fraught with danger that one has to at least raise the question. 
What are you going to do if, God forbid, Iran gets a nuclear device? And he said it. I'm going to blow up Israel. They'll lose 3 million, I'll lose 20 million. No problem. I have 25 million people in my country, and there were 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. We gained. He's that sick. So you may tell me, nobody would do something so sick. Answer, yes. People are that sick and that fanatical with that kind of zealotry. So you have to be afraid of this issue. So the question is, how do you protect? Is America, without having access to that power, going to risk American nuclear bombardment to save Israel? No. So how do you get and save Jewish people? That's a serious question, okay? So one might argue that if this indeed is the statement over here, that to save a Jewish life, you can even become like a pagan, that's what it's saying to us over here. Look at the box words that the Beit Yosef is saying. In order to save a Jewish life, Yeshkoch, the rabbis are allowed to allowed to violate a mitzvah of the Torah. Okay, that's the first point. Okay. Oh, really, you you are out there now. Wait, I, me or he? You. Why me? We're away from the turkey by a lot, yeah. Rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> we started off with a kosher turkey. We're now talking about Monica Lewinsky and you know him, and, not and me. Adonijah. I mean, we're out there. No, we're only raising the point of what is the prohibition involved. The prohibition is of him, Do not follow in their ways. Is following the ways eating a turkey on Thanksgiving? Right. That's what I'm going to come to in one more second. Okay. Well, that's what I'm coming to. Don't go away. I have, a, I have another five minutes. Give me five more minutes. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that, yes. Uh, we know there's a there's an extremely long tradition from Maimonides to Israeli to Kissinger to everybody else. Israeli converted. Israeli Israeli converted. But he was. He kept his man name. Yes, he did. <laughs> he was prominently known as a Jew. Right. Uh, that we always were part of the guns. There was no. It doesn't seem that our tradition had any difficulty at any time with accepting this principle. Correct. If we say, God forbid, we should encourage our children to go to Harvard to become. We do it all the time. That's what we do. That's what well, no, he was saying to Muhammad. I'm, I'm going a step further. He went further. I'm going further. It's one thing to go to Harvard, but the second thing is to marry a Gentile. I'm a politician. You're just saying. I'm saying marrying a Gentile. Oh, marry a Gentile. That's what I would say. And that's what you have to mind. Yeah, David, then I want to go on, because Joseph wants to eat his turkey tonight. <laughs> yeah, David, yeah? You keep talking about doing like the pagans, dressing like the pagans. So, are we to assume that Rabbi Yosef Cairo, down to us today, lived amongst pagans? Um, uh, he did not. He, of course, did not. But he's assuming, as Shukhanuk, that Christianity is paganism. Catholicism certainly may be. Christianity in general may not be. But the Rambam, as well as the base of Cairo, would say that Catholicism, or all Christianity, Catholicism is paganism. Protestantism, or any variation of it, would not be. Tosafot. Tosafot would say that no, that Christians or Catholics are not pagans because they believe in Shituf, partnership, that God is a partner, the Son, the Holy Spirit, etc. So he's not saying the... Tosafot say that it's not paganism, but the Rambam and Shohadok says it is. David, you with me? Yes? 
Okay, let me just go on for one more second. Now, the, the, the Bayit Hadash has two more lines that we want to read. He says, no, I don't agree. He doesn't want to follow the statement. There's no question over here that the word, the verse, says, no, the Torah only wants to forbid that person that wants to imitate them and be like them, acknowledging their religion. Only acts which acknowledge their religion will be prohibited but not anything else. So dress any way you want as long as it's not dressing like a Christian or a pagan. So it says because those Christians would end up going out with, with this royal purple clothes and you're going to say I also want to go out with royal purple clothes I want to look like them and be like them however if you want to wear a set of a suit and your intent is not to be like the Christians or the pagans and I don't, I don't care what the religion I want to dress like them just to have a decent standing among them that it should not be, I should not be viewed negatively and differently. So if you're not going to look at them as pagans or as Christians, but just dressing normally, that's allowed. That's the Bayit Hadash's allowance. You can dress any way you want, just don't look, don't do it for the reason of looking like a Christian. Okay, good. Where's what, the Bayit Hadash? The Bayit Hadash is a hundred years after Shachan which is about 17th century. Okay? Let's go quickly now. So now, we spoke about the Rambam, Tusafot, the Ran, Chuchan Aruch, and the Ramah as a clarifying perspective that you don't want to, you want to be different than they in dress and deed. All this is to not do it either the champagne tooth, immoral behavior, for sexually illicit purposes that we want to avoid. Number one. But number two also, Anything that smacks of idolatry is what you want to avoid. Because the verse itself is an idolatrous context. So don't wear red clothes if the red light district clothes are what they're wearing. You cannot wear red light district clothes. Right? Well, that's good. Now, good. But the back would say you're alive. Yes, yes. Yeah, right. Good. Or any law that has no rhyme or reason, which might have been done because of some ancient pagan practice, that you cannot do as well. Good. Even though nobody knows that that's yes. why they're doing it. Because it may. Because otherwise, if there's no rhyme or reason to it, then why they're doing it? Well, because uh, you know, some, uh, some designer in uh, ancient Greece uh, designed that, that that garment. And, uh, we don't know. Okay, in that case, we assume that they assume that it's that can, would he? Otherwise, you could do it. So, you, purpose. One second. One second. One second. One second. Now, how about celebrating a birthday party of someone who's from India, who is an idol worshiper? Would I be allowed to do that? If somebody in your office is an Indian and he happens to celebrate one of the Indian deities and he invites you to his birthday party, I was. I went to a, well I didn't, I had to go. My caretaker was an Indian and they invited me to come to their temple, their shrine, in their house to bless it. And then they gave me this beautiful silver kiddush cup, which I didn't want to take because that was really pagan. So I didn't take it. That's your wife. 
It was Shalom Bayit. It was Shalom Bayit. Danny and Marie were very good to me. So I, I walked into the house and I, I really they said, come over. I said, please bless it. I bust it. So I did it. Rabbis do a lot of interesting things that we're not trained for. We're not trained for that. Okay, good. On the other hand, can you go to a Christmas party in your office? So would you not agree that the Christmas party office is not really a Christmas party, it's rather a secular celebration of people in the office? So then that one would be allowed to do that. So the Indian story, I'd say no. The Christmas party, I'd say yes. Good. Good. Now, putting all this together, give me two moments of your time. There are four significant opinions about the issue of Turkey and Thanksgiving. Can I just make one other thing? So how would you relate using the uh, modern way we date things December 15th. Is that is that a very what they am looking at? December 15th meaning yeah, using using the the secular uh, calendar oh, okay. using their system and saying the Hokotehen Motelehu It's not pagan. It's not idolatrous, it's secular. So I don't have a problem with it. Even even though I even though the names of my months and days have pagan roots to it as the Hebrew not much as well, though pagan, it's secular. We'd all agree that secular, not idolatrous, not a problem. Is what we would say. Tammuz is a goddess of the Babylonian goddess. Good, so let me two more minutes. Now, the Gaon Vilna, who is a commentator of takes a much more stringent opinion. He says, any Gentile secular practice that does not have its roots in something Jewish is prohibited even if it's not related to idolatry. Any act that a Gentile does, without a reason or with a reason, would be a violation of Chotehem. It's a very broad understanding of the word Chotehem. Anything they do, that you do is the same. Therefore, many Sad Machasidim do not wear ties. It doesn't serve a purpose, they see that as prohibited. Boy, it's not idolatrous. No, but it's a Gentile thing. Because it's a Gentile thing that's though not idolatrous, the government will do a prohibit because it doesn't have a source in, one second, in something Jewish. So, therefore, the government takes the most stringent opinion of how to explain this pasuk. Not idolatrous, any secular Gentile act. Whether rooted in reason or not, that's not rooted in something of Jewish origin, would be prohibited from his point of view. So therefore, let's come down now to apply all of that questions, applying all of the above about Joseph eating turkey on Thanksgiving or not. Right? So we sorry? We're getting there. So there's two questions we raised. A, is it a pagan holiday? B, does it have rational roots? Does it make any kind of sense? Right? So now, we would all agree that, of course, Halloween is pagan. Good. We might agree also, there's no time to it, there's no reason to it, therefore it's a violation of Chukotahem. Christmas we've spoken about already. But Thanksgiving, would we not say, is not directly related to a Christian ritual, as celebrating Mass is, for example, or, let's say, any other thing directly related to Christianity. This is not so. Because those would be probably Asur. This is not Asur. Thanksgiving makes sense. Giving thanks that the pilgrims did for surviving the very first harsh winter in the new country, it made sense. 
Does eating turkey make sense? Well, you might say yes. That if this is a celebration, then the way you celebrate is by having a festive meal. The festive meal happens to involve a turkey in a commemorative sense, then that makes sense. Because you're commemorating that which they think they did. Or that's what we think they did. Right? But it's not really viewed as an actual holiday per se, because really it's a family get-together, not a religious celebration. Right? The eating of the turkey, even by the Americans who celebrate it, is not the ikhara, it's not the essence of the day. It's just simply commemorative and not a religious ritual. And therefore, one can say that it's appropriate. Right? Let's say if we want to celebrate this day and give thanks to God Almighty for what He's done for us, and we, and we like to eat turkey. If we like turkey, no problem. If we hate turkey and we're eating it to celebrate it, then that might be a problem. But if you like eating turkey, then you you like There's a rational reason why you're eating, why you're eating turkey. Because you like it. So that makes sense. Good. So it depends, and, and therefore, one can do it in that particular issue. So given all of the above, my last point, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, in two separate teshuvot, 1953-1980, made the following psakalakha. One can eat turkey on Thanksgiving, but you should not make it into a quote-unquote holiday. It should not be viewed as a hiyuv, as an obligation of celebration. It's, he would argue, he argues, it's not a religious holiday, but a secular holiday. And therefore it's the same as any other American secular holiday, Labor Day, Memorial Day, etc. And they don't see it as a religious holiday either. And there are no necessary rituals involved or liturgy involved with it. So therefore he allows it. Number one, Rabbi Salabachik was asked the same question, can one eat turkey Thanksgiving? He says, yes, absolutely, one can eat Thanksgiving turkey, and one can celebrate as an American holiday. It's American, it's secular, it has nothing to do with religion, he has no problem with it whatsoever. Third opinion, Rav Hankin, who was one again of the great post scheme of Brooklyn, sorry, Sorry? We shouldn't do it every... Rav Hankin, correct. Rav Hankin says, you're allowed to eat it, it's not a religious holiday, but you should actually skip every second or third or fourth year. Why? To show that it's not a holiday. Right? Now, on the other hand, there are... those. So those are three prominent opinions that allow it. Rav Moshe Feinstein, Basalabajic, Rav Hankin. On the other hand, Rav Hutna, who was a great posek, who sees over here that it is more of a, it's a Gentile rooted in Christian sources, says one should not eat turkey on Thanksgiving, because it is a, like the government of Illness said, it is a Gentile custom that whether it's rooted in religion or not religion, one should not do it. So he takes a very far to the right opinion, as does Rabbi Menachem Klein, Menachem Klein also says, do without it, because he, it smacks of a Gentile religious custom, though we don't really see it as such. <coughs> Rabbi David Cohen, who is a student of Rabbi Hutnam, also says that it's not appropriate to do so, and they also root this in a very strange statement that you're not allowed to add any holidays to the Jewish calendar. So if you're publishing a Betorah calendar and you say Thanksgiving on it as a holiday, they would have a problem with that. 
don't see it as a holiday. But, of course, that question, whether or not you're allowed to add holiday Jewish calendar, is more relevant in terms of Yom HaSma'ut, Yom HaShoah. Many poor scheme have a problem with those commemorative festivals because you're adding a holiday to Jewish calendar. Many don't, of course, but that would be relevant to them. Thanksgiving is not a holiday in the conventional sense of the term. It's not something with ritual, liturgy, etc., and therefore... Many of the post-scheme allow it, although a minority of post-scheme do not allow it. A minority of post-scheme. Is that clear? What are all the issues have? Okay, Harvey, again. Just an observation. Just the two main uh, rabbis that you quoted that, that were against it, that said it. Rav, Rav Hutna? No, no, for him. The Gorme Vilna? And, and, um, and um, Rav Cook. I said Rav Cook, but okay. I didn't say Rav Cook. I said cook a turkey, but not. No. On that note. Look at you have to look at his time period. Right. His time period was when reformism was was getting getting strong. Actually not. He was middle of the eighteenth century, hundred years before reform. Hundred years before reform. But the things were going on. There was all going on. That's when they all put blinders and, and you know The reform he was worried about was the Hasidic movement. He was anti-Hasidic movement. No reform. He's 1750-1760. Ran Immanuel Kant. He was on Immanuel Kant. But the turkey wouldn't have been effective. It wasn't Thanksgiving. He didn't know about the turkey. Right. It was like, yeah, David? You make rib roast instead of turkey. I'll come over, yes. 100%. Rib roast is good, yeah. I took you anyway, yeah. Um, it seems from, I know you did it very briefly, but all those post schemes, even the ones that are for and the ones that are against, Seem to be missing the focus. About the Thanksgiving. Meaning what? Meaning that Thanksgiving is not. It's 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 taking the values that are most important. It's not the ritual values, but more of the the freedom and, and ethical values, and it and therefore I feel like. Eating the turkey with everyone else in America is connecting me with them to celebrate the Correct. values that America stands for. That's what they're saying. It's a, it's a secular holiday, therefore one should do it. Rabbi Salvechik is more pro than Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. And Moshe Feinstein had a little reservation. But they said, even if it's a don't make it a you. But why not? Why not make it obligatory upon ourselves? Connect with the rest of the world. Because we can't add a religious holiday. It's not a holy day. It's not a holiday. We can't add a holy day to our calendar. You can't say it's prohibited to work, and we can't do that. But we don't, we don't. It's not a holy day. It's not right. All of this is a lot of uh, circular reasoning. They were also anti-connecting with the Goyim. Your desire to connect is not what the rabbis want you to do. That's why you can't eat their food, and you can't eat their bread, and you can't... Yeah, there is a need to separate. Yeah, he's the he's extreme position. So these these ethical values that the Christians have adopted, if you want to talk about the Christians, I don't really know why we're only focusing on Christians, but they've adopted those values from us. Right. Okay, so good. From the Gaon's point of view, then we should be able to go along with it. He didn't see it in that quite that fashion. Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what you yes, said? but he didn't see he didn't see the Goyim as adopting our values. This, they had it. What do you mean? The ethical values are. Yeah, he didn't see. He didn't, he didn't analyze it in that way. 
He just simply said, don't. But we, but we can use, we can interpret, but we can interpret his word. Okay, so therefore you would say that we should do, this is an obliga- oblig- obligatory holiday, obligation, we must do it? In, in what sense? You, you want to use the word, not me. Use the word holy day rather than holy. Maybe I don't understand, maybe I don't understand obligation no I mean don't make it into a ritual it's not a Jewish ritual okay so we got together with the family but we're making you know somebody should say something when you sit down at the table about you know why we're doing this okay that's fine they say that's all fine so it's encouraging. So it's more encouraging, right? It's more encouraging. Okay, that's another question. That's a legitimate question. Okay, should we go? Should we go that next step? Please don't all talk at one time. Chucky, we'll quickly we'll get back to this question, then we gotta go back to deal. So quickly. All right, I want to ask you the opposite. I feel troubled sometimes when I drive around on Thanksgiving and I see school buses in front of some of the very orthodox yeshivas, and I feel that this is giving a message to the rest of America. Absolutely correct. We're not interested in being part of America. Right. And isn't that exactly. Absolutely. And isn't that a danger that we should? They don't see it that way, and they're wrong. And they're wrong. And they're wrong. Correct. We agree. That's a protection attitude. That's yeah. not a protection attitude. Yeah, Michael? But that's a bit of an unbalanced Now, wow. The point that I think David and before Harvey and by the celebration question is that everybody took either yes you can or no you cannot and nobody thought of doing what you're saying is that turn it into a day of thanksgiving to God in general and connect to your Jewish roots via this particular holiday but nobody got to that point that's way ahead of us we're still worried about people still argue should I do it or not do it you see what I'm saying? I'm just surprised if you wear a new tie yes no if you're eating a new turkey <laughs> you last your turkey, don't bother me. Yeah. Yes, and I can I further with the Jewishness of the Thanksgiving holiday? The pilgrims, in fact, left England. So they didn't, they refused. It's Holland. They left England, Rabbi. That man went to Holland and they left England. My was okay. Yeah, first of all, they were English. They, first of all, they refused to celebrate Christmas. They refused to celebrate Easter. Okay. They were complete. They were Hebraists. Yeah, some of them were Hebraists. They, no, the pilgrims were Hebraists. Period. Some were not. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yes. and, they, and they had, and they were uh, adamant in, in their following of, of almost our ways. They were trying very hard to be close to. So most of our jurisprudence, in fact, is based on that. But the, uh, it really, really is. And in fact, George Will linked it to the Seder uh, as well. In that he mentioned it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really much more of a Jewish root than anything else. It's not a Christian root. They they, they rejected the pilgrims rejected the Christian roots because, in fact, they felt that there was no, no nothing in the Gospels at all to uh, to support. Well, it was the only thing to, to support Christmas or, or Easter. Yeah. This is something that they did. Oh, yeah, I don't want to go to this. Okay. 
I agree. So what to do? Sorry. I, I would. I would. I could see instituting rabbinically if the rabbis got together, if they were able to do so. So I'm not going to happen. But if they did get together, I think it's an appropriate question to raise. In the same way, on July 4th, Rabbi Labadi, I was told that this Ayishem on July 4th celebrate America. So it's the same question, that one should, one should not mourn on, on July 4th or Thanksgiving. Yes, I think it has to be done as a community-wide norm. So that should be discussed. Yeah, Robert. So we refrain from the practices that reflect badly on the Example given? In other words, uh, as my brother said, in other words, to sort of show uh, indifference or disdain for an American custom absolutely can right. bring negative feelings towards the Jewish community. thousand percent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a terrible story that when people are ignorant or unable to see that aspect of it. At 9-11, we went out and cost us $2,000 to buy an American flag and hang it in front of the shul. Did everything we do because we had to connect electricity, put a light and everything else. It was more than $1,000. But that's what we had to do to show that it's appropriate. And what we often have done, although this year we weren't able to do it, is to bring a, a whole Thanksgiving dinner, kosher, to the police people of our Ocean Township area. And we've done that to strengthen those relationships. This year, I just didn't have the time to do it. But yes, it, all, it should be done to strengthen those connecting links. One should be hypersensitive to that point. It's not. People are not. But it should be. It should be. I don't know, I don't know if the non-Jewish world, Chucky and Robert, see the having of school as something negative. That's an important question. Did, what do they think? Well, do they say that we're betraying our American roots? I don't know if they see that or not. What does what does the average non-Jewish person say when he's a school bus in front of a school on Thanksgiving? Does he say that these people are betraying America, or does, does he say that's, denying America, or, uh, well, or they say no one denying, or they say that's their thing they want to have school? No, they're not saying. That. Okay, if they're saying that, then it's a very negative thing, and then we have to be wary of that. It does matter because I don't want to have a Some do. Okay, some do. You're right. Okay. Yes. Any other? David, last question. What if America was a Muslim country instead of a Christian country? We would have the same problem? No. No, we'd be dead. No, no. Muslims are not God forbid, put it that way. No, it's not a whole right. No idolatrous implications whatsoever. So you could have Thanksgiving if the Muslims were in charge. You have nothing to thank God for. <laughs> thank you all for coming. It was a pleasure to be here. <laughs>